1: There were moments of high drama at the first House Judiciary Committee hearing explicitly tied to the potential impeachment of President Trump. Corey Lewandowski, Trump's 2016 campaign manager, defiantly refused to answer many questions, stalled by repeatedly asking to see the Mueller report and demeaned the process and the Democratic committee members. Here's an exchange between Democrat Sheila Jackson Lee and Lewandowski. Again, Congresswoman, I recognize that the privilege is not mine, but I've been this asked by the White public. House to... Uh, Congresswoman, I'd be happy to answer your Especially question, you or you can just have a conversation campaign. by yourself. But if you'd like to ask me a question, no, I'll be happy I, to I'm answer
2: it. I'm going to continue. The reason is well, because then don't ask me a question. I'm reclaiming my, my time. This is a House judiciary, not a House party.
1: Joining me is Brad Moss, a partner at Mark Zaid. Brad, it was not pretty, but the Democrats did confirm much of what Lewandowski said in the Mueller report. What's your take on the hearing?
3: Yeah, I mean, look, you know, Corey Lewandowski is a very epitome of Trump-style politics. This no-holds-barred, you know, political counterpunching is uh, very much uh, in line with how the president handles it. You saw that throughout the hearing. What I think ultimately was relevant, what was important, and you mentioned this a bit, was what was confirmed, namely the involvement of Mr. Lewandowski, as I outlined in the Mueller report in terms of the order from President Trump to Mr. Lewandowski to go to then Attorney General Jeff Sessions, order him to limit and narrow the scope of the Mueller investigation and basically dangle his job at him. And Mr. Lewandowski confirmed that those facts were accurate. He disputed some of the details of you know, certain uh, nuances, but by and large, what was in the Mueller report on that front, Mr. Lewandowski confirmed yesterday in that hearing.
1: The White House Counsel's Office notified the committee late Monday that Lewandowski was forbidden from discussing confidential conversations he had with Trump, aside from what was already public in the Mueller report. They called it executive branch confidentiality interests. What kind of privilege were they asserting here?
3: Yeah, so they're trying to try this theory out that's always been pushed by past White Houses, but it's never been actually challenged in court, which is the idea that a president's communications with non-government officials can still be covered under executive privilege, that the White House has an interest in shielding those communications from being compelled to be disclosed to either Congress or to the public. Now, there's know longstanding precedent with respect to uh, executive branch officials if that communication is with the president. That dates back to the Nixon era. But there's never been a case to litigate that question we come to someone like Mr. Lewandowski, who was a private citizen and never worked in the U.S. government. And so they have pushed forward this view. Mr. Lewandowski, of course, was happy to follow the White House's guidance because it meant there were things he didn't have to disclose. Um, It remains an unresolved question, though, as a legal matter, how a court would view this in terms of the legitimacy of that assertion of privilege.
0: Your industry is unique.
4: The
1: committee also subpoenaed two other former Trump aides who did work in the White House, former Deputy Chief of Staff Rick Dearborn and former Staff Secretary Rob Porter. But they didn't attend after the White House counsel notified the Judiciary Committee that they have constitutional immunity from compelled congressional testimony in order to protect the prerogatives of the Office of President. Going beyond the the claim of privilege there, how can Democrats proceed with this, you know, sort of variation on impeachment hearings if they can't get witnesses to testify?
3: Yeah, so this is a bit of the problem the Democrats have been facing for months now ever since the Mueller report came out and ever since uh, Mr. Mueller testified and they want to move forward on this quasi impeachment route, they were struggling to get people who had Uh, testified to Mr. Mueller and provided information that was outlined in the report to get to them to come before Congress. And you're seeing some litigation on it with respect to Don McGahn, the former White House counsel. You know, there's pending litigation to compel him to come before uh, Congress and testify. You're waiting to see the results of that litigation. I think that will provide a roadmap and guidance. But as far as the White House is concerned, they're just kind of dragging this out right now. They're happy to let this be, you know, dragged out in the courts and take months, if not years, because by the time it gets to a resolution, it won't matter one way or the other.
1: And so even if this were a traditional impeachment inquiry, if they had drawn up articles of impeachment, these witnesses still wouldn't be allowed to testify. So, again, I mean, what happens then?
3: So, yeah, so if if the courts ultimately ruled in the government's favor, which I don't think in the end, especially in the context of impeachment, I don't think they would, but even if they did, Congress can certainly still utilize the written text of the Mueller report itself, and they always could do that in the context of impeachment, uh, recommending articles of impeachment. What they wanted for purposes of grassroots support from the American public was to have those live moments, to have Don McGahn talk about what Trump did, to have Annie Donaldson, the chief of staff to Don McGahn talk about what she took notes on. It was meant to build public momentum, not necessarily for purposes of evidence.
1: So the committee's chair, Jerry Nadler, said that Lewandowski's conduct was completely unacceptable, and he's considering holding him in contempt of Congress, as several of the Democratic committee members said he should. So even if he's held in contempt of Congress, if you have a Justice Department that will not go any further on this, what would that really mean to him?
3: Ultimately, nothing at all. Um, there is an inherent criminal contempt authority that Congress has. Technically, the Sergeant at Arms can, you know, uh, execute an arrest, but that's not going to happen. So, uh, and, and Corey Lewandowski knows this. In the White House, knows this. they know that. Ultimately, for Nadler, this is a lot of huffing and puffing, but nothing is going to come of those contempt citations, which is why Nadler's debating to what extent he's even going to waste his time with it, because nothing is going to transpire. That the Justice Department isn't going to pursue the case, and this is the unfortunate reality of how the institutions and some of the customs and norms of how we used to handle these types of matters
1: political analysts were criticizing the Democrats for going forward this way, but I wonder what other way can they go forward? About a minute here.
3: Yeah, I mean, this is the only route they had. They had to try to build some additional momentum to put a face and video to the text of that 400-page report. They've gotten some progress. I don't know if they're going to be able to pull this off in the end, but you can still expect this will drag on until the end of this year.
1: And we will talk with you more as it does. Thank you so much, Brad. That's Brad Moss. He is a partner at Mark Zaid. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com podcast I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg.
0: Your industry is unique.